Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. My name is Brian. And I'm Jake. And this, of course, is a father-son program we do each and every week. And in fact, it's a milestone this week. This is actually our 50th program. You gotta put, like, trumpet, pa-pum, or whatever. I can. There we go. So this week, thinking about the topic and just what's going on and how we continue to use this program to start conversations with our kids, and that's the whole purpose behind this, with the reason we started this. Jake was heading off to college, and I wanted to continue to have more of the faith conversations we have across the uh, kitchen table or wherever we're hanging out at the time. So we decided to do this, but also to encourage you as parents or as the sons or daughters to uh, have those faith conversations. So if you're new to the program, that's what it's all about. Uh, we have a conversation, then we move into a segment we call Music Matters. Yeah, and in Music Matters, we talk about just music that has influenced us this week and music that has spoken to us. So dad brings a new song, I bring a song that has spoken to me this past week, and then dad brings an oldie but goldie, and we just talk about them. And then our final segment we call Culture Shock. Culture Shock is a uh, just a mixed bag of different uh, topics, people, places that are making a difference in culture for the kingdom of Christ. And so we'll have one of those a little bit later in the program. So diving into today's faith conversation, you know, one of the uh, biggest needs we have here at shine.fm from our listeners, it has to do with finances. Um, In fact, we have a community online that's called Prayer Works, and that online community allows people to submit prayer requests, and then uh, people pray for them and can actually let people know that they're praying for others. And so it's a great little community of prayer. But the most requested prayer is around finances. And so we wanted to talk about finances today and trusting God with our money. There's been a push recently. I've seen several different articles, news stories on high schools and how high schools need to include a class in financial literacy. You yes. think think that's important? Yes. Yes. You know, I think a lot of times we rely on parents to teach our kids about finance, and we should, but if they could have a class in that as well, because let's face it, not all parents are, one, good at managing finances, and two, teach their kids about it. And so um, to have that in the school system, I think, would be an added benefit. There was sort of classes like that when I was in high school, but it wasn't required, and it was basically just a blow-off class that also include cooking and changing tires and learning oh, learning life skills. Oh, man. Omec. Yeah. So um, that's a big push for that. So today in the conversation, trusting God with our money. Scripture says that money is the root of all evil. So we're implying that God would stoop as low as to work through something as vile as our finances. No, not at all. No. The actual verse from 1 Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's not that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Money in itself is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. But how we handle our money, that's the challenge. So we shouldn't be surprised if God wants to use our money to guide us, to challenge us, and to most importantly, improve us. When I was younger, pre-kids, I listened to a lot of Larry Burkett. He was a financial advisor, Christian financial advisor from Atlanta who had a radio program coast to coast called How to Manage Your Money. And he points out, of course, he's now passed away, but he pointed out that there are more than a thousand references of money in the Bible. That is second only to the subject of love. So obviously it's an important thing. So how can God work through our finances today? Well, 
I think one of the ways that he can do that is he wants to strengthen our trust in him. He wants to turn our anxieties, our worries over money into trust. Uh, one of the uh, famous books of the Bible that talks about worrying was instrumental in my life in in college because I, you know, I had a lot of worries and anxiety about everything that was going on. But in Matthew chapter 6, it was the chapter that really stood out to me. Verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The only way some of us will look up to God and trust him is when we're flat on our backs. That's the only way. Well, God knows this. And so he will use those times when we are literally flat on our back in order to meet our needs if we put our trust in him first. I think as a college student, it's just really stressful for finances because... You're paying a lot. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I do understand trusting God with money because one thing I've always heard was that if you have a, a closed fist on your money and you're just really, I don't want to say selfish with it, but like you're yeah. very careful on how you spend it, God can't use that money. If you have an open hand, God can use that money and then use it in ways that you never thought you could never by yourself. Well, God uses money finances in our life to develop our trustworthiness. You know, every financial transaction is literally an opportunity for us to prove ourselves trustworthy to God, but also to others. Uh, there's a book by uh, Thomas Stanley called The Millionaire Mind. He said the number one factor attributing to the success of multimillionaires is being honest with all people. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that. You know, we prove our trustworthiness to others. They're going to be drawn to us and, and they're going to want to do business with us. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Another way that God uses our finances to trust him is he's proving his love for us. God wants to provide for us if we only allow him to. Matthew 7, 1 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So how does God provide for us? I think that God works through people and through situations. So like, I know for us at our church, we have when like people are going through like surgery or through a death in the family or just a really hard time, our church will support them with food mm -hmm. and giving them food. And that's not like financial, but like it is because you don't have to pay for, like the family sure. doesn't have to pay for food. So I think people, or God just works through people in that sense. I would also say that God also provides for us by giving us the ability to work, yeah. giving us jobs and a career, thus providing opportunities for us to earn money. Now, the Bible is very specific when it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's stewardship. God wants us to make a living. Uh, the great thing now, currently in the United States, our economy is doing very well. In fact, they say there are more job opportunities than there are people to fill those jobs. And so that's a good thing. But if we don't work, we don't eat. And God honors that. God also uses our finances to demonstrate his power over the world. Now, if you remember the story of Joseph, God put Joseph in that position of power in Egypt, and he promised in a dream that he gave to Joseph that there would be seven years of prosperity, but then those seven years of prosperity are going to be followed by seven years of famine. 
And so the Pharaoh, who Joseph was working for at the time, the Pharaoh appointed Joseph to ensure that there was enough storage of grains and resources in order to sustain them and the countries around them for those seven years of famine. So God demonstrates through the scriptures and in our lives today his power over the world by providing those good years and during those bad years. So sometimes we allow like a tunnel vision to prevent us from realizing that God is in control of not only our finances, but to those of the entire world. He owns everything. God also uses our finances to unite us as followers of him through shared blessings. You talked about that. He expects us to share with others that are in need. Yeah. Others are going to step up and they're going to bless us. When we're in the, in the plenty and others are in need, we step up, we bless them. You know, Paul points this out in uh, Corinthians, the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 8.15. He challenges them to give generously to the needy Christians in Jerusalem. And it's an example that was set in Scripture that continues through today. God also uses our finances to provide direction in our lives. Do you have an abundance currently? Well, God wants to give you wisdom about how to handle the abundance. Scripture talks about that. Read Matthew 25, or maybe you're struggling financially. Well, God gave you a promise if you're struggling financially. And that's really why we're talking about this topic. We know a lot of people do. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Again, God uses our finances to satisfy the needs of others. The reality of life is that we are our brother's keeper. I, you know, I know other religious groups, other religions of the world, they do respond to disasters around the world just like we as followers of Christ respond to disasters. God expects us to respond and to satisfy the needs of others. 1 John 3, 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? What a great reminder. So I have a question for that. Sure, absolutely. You have that statement in the Bible, but then you also have the statement of, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. For homeless people who are just sitting on the streets all day, which one do you do? Right. Homeless situations many times are the result of addictions. And because of those addictions and them choosing addictions, they're in that situation from their own choice. Now, as followers of Christ, we provide and we support organizations and help that provides a way for people to make the choice to leave those addictions behind, get treatment. We know it's an addiction. You need medical treatment as a part of this to then turn your life around. Now, am I saying give someone money on the side of the street? That's your choice. I personally don't give money to someone on the side of the street because that money is probably not going to be used for what the sign they're holding says. I mean, I've worked in inner city churches. We don't give cash away. We give bus tokens. We give food. We give clothing. If they need medication, we go to the pharmacy with them and we buy the medication, but we never give cash away. So as followers of Christ, we meet the needs. By their choosing, they continue to live in that life and not work. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. We want to help them, absolutely. We want to help them more than anything turn their life around. Hmm. So when money is tight, how do we trust God? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a relationship with God that meant never having to worry about or stress about money again? 
Now, there's those that have fallen in line with a theology called the prosperity theology. They've taken verses from Scripture, and they have interpreted them in a way, and in many times when you go back to the root word of either the Hebrew or the Greek, the word prosperity has nothing to do with money. Absolutely nothing to do with money. I mean, read Job. Job was blessed even though everything happened to him in life. He trusted God through the worst possible situations. He lost everything, children, wife, every possession. How can you stand on prosperity theology when you have Job looking at that? God wants a relationship with us in which we are dependent on him, trusting him with all that we have. It's not about filling our bank accounts with money when we surrender ourselves to him. What are some ways that we can trust God when money is tight? First of all, we need to realize it's not about the money. Financial stability depends on how much we trust God rather than how much we make. It's not about the money. Our financial situation almost always is about trusting in Him. Psalm 5010, if my God, who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, we know that verse, and you're probably thinking, well, if He owns a cows on a thousand hills, why don't I have enough money to afford a hamburger? It isn't about whether God has the money and can help us. It's about what He wants to do in and through us as we rely on Him for what we need. God can take whatever financial situation we're in and build into us through that financial situation, character, hope, and a future. Financial struggle is simply an opportunity for us to trust him more. And it can be a doorway by which we can discover God's grace, his provision, and most importantly, his love for us. We need to trust him with today. Many times we look at how much income we have, we estimate how much bills we have to pay, and then you might realize you have a shortfall. And we worry about that. Jesus must have known in his earthly ministry that we would worry about this. Because he says in Matthew 6, again, that chapter about worrying in 6.30, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care about you. Why do you have so little faith? You know, this verse was important for me in college. I mentioned that earlier. In college, college is expensive. It's a lot more expensive today than what I paid for it, for sure. Cost of living adjustments and the whole thing. It's going to be a lot more expensive when your kids go to college. When I was in college, both of my parents lost their jobs. Company my dad was working for decided to shut down and move operations all the way across the United States out of a job. The business my mom was working for, she was getting severely persecuted against because of her Christian faith and decided that she couldn't just do it anymore, basically at the same time. So what happens when you have someone in college and you're paying for college and both your parents lose jobs? Matthew 6 came alive for me. God provided. He knew we have a tendency to worry about that. This is what his teachings say. Don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. When I look back on certain years, first year I was married, I was in grad school and your mom was still in college. And we lived in an apartment, a one-bedroom little dinky apartment, and we were both in school full-time, both of us working. I was full-time. Your mom was almost full-time at minimal jobs. We're talking working at a hotel and a dry cleaner just to make ends meet. And I look back on that year, and I'm like, how in the world do we do that to, to pay for both going to school and to pay to live? But we did. Jesus has given us a formula for trusting him daily for our provision and not stressing about money by worrying about tomorrow. You know, it's interesting that most cultures around the world and in states
standards of global, we here in the United States are so much more wealthier than anyone else in the, in the world. Even the poorest person in the U.S. is one of the richest people in the world. And it's interesting that most cultures just think about today. What do I need to get through today? Whereas we, we think about retirement 20, 40 years from now. And how do we set ourselves up for retirement or paying for that vacation in a few months? They're thinking about today. You see how wealthy we are and our priorities and how we think? Yeah. It's just crazy to think about that because how did we get our mindset of like thinking of what's going to happen in a month, but other people are thinking today. Another thing that is kind of just strangely, I don't understand is like when natural disasters happen. Yeah. People with a lot of abundance of money will donate like the cathedral. How yeah. much money did that get? Yeah. Yeah. That got a lot of money. I saw like this picture and it was like a, it was a meme. All these people are paying for the repairments of Notre Dame. But they still have these problems of, like, hung child starvation and the water crisis and poverty. And mm -hmm. It's just, like, that's just confusing to me. We have to choose to live a certain way. And we have to remember that God owns it all. What makes us, those that follow Christ, heirs is that he has made us heirs. Galatians 3.29. And while we might feel like we're, we don't have much here on earth, we can read in Ephesians 1 and be reminded again that what is ours is in the heavenly realm. So if God can take care of our eternal life, which he does, by providing Jesus for our salvation, then he certainly can take care of our everyday life, including whatever finances we need. Ephesians 1. Read it daily if you have to. Remember what is yours in Christ and thank him more than ask him. We also need to, and as we trust in him, release back our finances to God. Remember, we are managers. We own nothing. God has entrusted us with this money, and it's all his in the first place. And that's why he expects us to give the first of what we have back to him. That's, of course, tithing, which we've talked about more on this program, that 10% figure as a way of honoring him and as a reminder to us that he does own it all. God is faithful to his children who give. And remember, trusting God and his provision when things are tough, this is a faith adventure. We are on a faith adventure. We who have a God who is not only pleased by our faith, Hebrews 11:6, but also loves to come through for his children. In Matthew 7, it talks about that. I hear stories all the time. It's happened to me. An unexpected check arrives in the mail on Monday, and then Tuesday, an unexpected car repair happens for the exact amount of that check. You see, our unforeseen financial situations don't surprise God. And as you trust him and honor him with what you have, you will continually see him come through in those kinds of situations. Trusting in God and our finances, we gain wisdom through his word. You know, sometimes we're just foolish when it comes to spending, borrowing, and handling our money. Debt is a consequence of that. The book of Proverbs is full of financial wisdom. It has warnings about getting into debt, about living beyond our means. It has warnings about going into business with someone you can't trust. Read Proverbs. We've talked earlier a little bit about practicing generosity. The more money we hold on to, the more money we'll have. That's what some people think. But it's opposite in the kingdom of God. The more we give, the more God gives us so that we can keep on giving. You don't believe that? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 told us that we give generously and cheerfully. Verse 8 says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verses 10 and 11 says, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God will help you be generous with what you have when we trust him. 
And more importantly, it's about choosing contentment. Paul said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We always remember that last part of that verse. We don't remember the first part of that verse. Then a few sentences later, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his gracious riches, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus. So can you be content with little if that is what God has ordained you to do? You know, the whole uh, tiny living movement that's happening right now, tiny homes, people having to scale down. You've got uh, Maria Kondo, is that her name? I don't know. Talking about, you know, living simply and getting Uh, ready and all the stuff. It's kind of in fashion right now. There is joy in living simply. There is joy in giving things away. There is joy in tossing the clutter and not collecting more determining to live on less, determining to live with a smaller house. I've mentioned before in a program, you know, when I was approved for a mortgage, they approved me for a mortgage at a level I'm like, I'm not going to buy a house that much because then when you buy a house that much, you're tapped out on paying your mortgage payment. So I basically went 75% of that and that's what I bought a house at. And that allowed me to send my kids to, you know, private school and to provide braces and, and those kinds of things. I hated braces. I know you did. Most of us have no idea how much excess we already have and how little we really need to get by, just to be happy. So practice contentment. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 assures us that godliness with contentment is great gain. So quickly, I want to close this out with uh, this. What's important when we trust God with our finances? Well, it, it actually helps us watch our focus. We're focused on the right thing, not just the circumstances, but on God and what he is doing in us. Circumstances are temporary. Faith and trust in God is eternal. We talked about joy. Have a joyful attitude. And it's tough to do in situations where you're worried about finances. Fight. Fight. And it's so hard to do that. Know that God is going to take care of this. Be thankful. It's so easy to complain about what you don't have. Stop focusing so much on what you don't have and see the blessings that are all around us that we have. Our family, our friends, our church, and even those physical things that God has already blessed us with. Philippians says that prayer with thanksgiving is the key to eliminating our worry and anxiety. Also, don't stop giving. I think we've mentioned before that more money was given to churches, a higher percentage was given to churches during the Great Depression than is today. Think about that. Mm. Generosity is what opens up our lives for God's blessings. Do what you can and trust God to do the rest. God never promised to supply our wants exactly when we want them. Now, there are practical things we can do when we're in a situation. Do what we can, which means we cut back. Cut back on eating out, buying extra clothes, and on electronics we don't need. Remember, God is full of wisdom. He wants to give that wisdom to us, and we need to be sure to listen to God's wisdom. Don't make excuses. God doesn't make excuses. We shouldn't either. You know, sometimes we respond to God with the yeah, but, and then God always trumps our excuses, and nothing beats what he says. Yeah, but the cross. Have you ever said in your situation, this is too big for God? Have you ever said that? No, I don't. I mean, I've thought about saying it. Yeah, I've like, thought it. I don't know. I just go back to VeggieTales. God is bigger than the buggy, man. <laughs> bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. Sponsor me, VeggieTales. <laughs> Deep down, we know that God is big enough for our situation, but we let our worry come out in our words. We really do believe that our situation is too hard for God, that he doesn't want to help. But Jesus told us that he is willing and he wants to fix the situation. 
Think about the story of the, of the man who asked Jesus if he was willing to help him. Jesus knew he was able, but he wasn't sure he was willing. Jesus told him he was willing, and he healed the man. So if Jesus wasn't willing to help us with all our needs, he wouldn't have died on the cross for us. Yeah. Trust is hard. Trust is not fun, but it's very rewarding. I know for, like, young adults listening to this episode, you don't want to hear it because you just want to spend money. At least I do. Just be cautious with it because God will provide. God will provide, but he also wants us doing our part. Yeah. God works in every aspect of our lives, including our finances. He will use those finances to teach us to trust him, to become trustworthy, to prove his love for us, to guide us, and to meet needs of fellow believers and unbelievers. We should expect nothing less from a sovereign God. And that's our faith conversation. And now moving into Music Matters. Okay, Music Matters. This is a segment where we share music, the generational differences. We celebrate that. I usually bring a song that's a newer song because I have access to newer music. And Jake brings a song that speaks to him. I don't work in radio. I introduce new stuff. That's what it's all about. And then we'll move into an oldie but goldie. So brand new song this week, the band Skillet. I love the band Skillet. Now, the whole rock music genre is kind of like on the back burner today yep. with many folks. Even your generation, it's all about worship and pop and hip-hop usually, yep. and the rock stuff's on the back. Skillet's still out there. They're skill- still doing great music and uh, still have a great following. They have a great following in mainstream music as well, Pan which heads. I think is great. That's what their fans are called. What's that? Panheads. Panheads, yes. So Skillet, I'm going to use as a new song, but then I'm also going to bring them in Goldie But Goldie. They got a brand new album coming out on August the 2nd. It's called Victorious, and this is brand new music from them. Skillet, it's a song called Anchor. I know that I meet a lot of fans, a lot of parents, who say this world is changing so quickly and it is getting so confusing, and I don't know how to find God in my day-to-day life. I don't know how to trust God in my day-to-day life. I am the parent of two teenage kids, and I know how crazy the world is getting, and it is so easy to be thrown to and fro on all of these waves of doubt and looking for hope, looking for truth. And everything is going to be changing except for one thing, and that is Jesus. Jesus is faithful and Jesus is true, the Bible says. And so I hope this song is an encouragement to people who are looking for that hope and think, I can't find it, I can't find it, to find hope in in God's word. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So he will anchor you during these times of doubt. He will never uh, leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be faithful for you. He is our anchor. So I hope the song encourages you. I didn't know they were putting your stuff out. They are. I'm excited about it. Jen Ledger was my childhood crush, the drummer for Skillet. Just your childhood crush? Well, I mean, (laughs) I know that it's never going to happen now. Okay. But when I did first meet her, I almost passed out. It's true. Dad is a witness It was quite funny watching it, actually. Yeah. All right. So my song for the week is actually kind of new. It came out last week. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm getting there, Dad. My artist, he is also a secular Christian. Mm -hmm. It's NF. NF is a rapper. But M- Michigan. Oh, is he from Michigan? He's from Michigan. I didn't, know, yeah. I didn't know that. The song that's new is called The Search. NF 
is a very lyrical rapper. He writes with intentionality and he writes very deep stuff. Uh, his mom was a drug addict. He lived a very hard life and he's not afraid to share that. I think that he believes in the power of testimony. Mm -hmm. And so he shows that. And a lot of parents don't like their kids listening to NF because he sounds like a mainstream rapper. And he, he raps very aggressively. But if you actually listen to the words, it's very... He, he kind of has a setup where it's very sad in the beginning and then very hopeful in the end. So a little snippet of The Search by NF. I've been searching. What does that mean, Nate? I've been learning. Grabbing my keepsakes, leaving my burdens. Well, I brought a few with me. I'm not perfect. Looking at the view like this concerns me. Picking up the cues, right? I'm quite nervous. Hating when I lose sight. Life gets blurry. I think the reason he is impacting mainstream music, because he has the respect of mainstream rap artists, yeah. is because he is real. His lyrics are raw. They're about his life or situations that he's seen. And they relate to people on a very real level. And yeah. I think that's why he's making an impact. So yeah. great to have new stuff from him. Okay, it's time now for our oldie but goldie. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that our oldie but goldie, we're going to actually go back in time to get early Skillet because they started, they formed as a band in 1996. Four years before I was born. Yeah. Their first album came out in 1997. No, three. Yes, three. I know how to do math. You've, we talked about you doing math, and here you already messed up. <laughs> Their first album came out in 1997. It's called Hey You, I Love Your Soul. That was the title of the album. And so I have a song off that album that I remember playing. Great song. It's called Your Love Keeps Me Alive. It's uh, Skillet from 1997. <laughs> I know this one. Yeah. Only because I listened to your iPod when I was a kid. And that album was on the iPod. You're it right. It was. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so that wraps up Music Matters. Time now to move into Culture Shock. Okay, so I've called this Culture Shock Step Up Dads. Culture Shock, we talk about culture, people, celebrities, everyday, you know, Joe Schmo making a difference in culture. Today, I want to talk about dads and the influence of dads on their children when it comes to following Christ and salvation. I have put out a meme, uh, I guess it was a meme, more of an infographic on Instagram on my personal account a couple weeks ago that talked about the dad influence on salvation. And it was percentages, a graph. And it says, when dads come to Christ first in the family, 93% of families will follow. When you look at mom, it's only 17%. Keep that in mind. So when a dad comes to Christ first in a family, 93% of the family will follow. If mom comes first, only 17%. Now, let's go to a study that Barna just recently did that says Christians are far more likely to say their mother had a bigger influence on their faith than their fathers. A new study came out studying the roles of mom and dads in the development of their children. The study found that 68% of U.S. Christians who grew up with someone who influenced their faith say that their mother's faith impacted them. 68%. When it was a father's faith, it was 46%, and a grandparent's faith at 37%. Huh. Now, Christian teenagers say that they were more likely to have prayed with or talked to about God with their mom in the past month than their father. This is part of a, a new research project and a new book that they have called Households of Faith. 
Roxana Stone, who is with Barna, I've actually sat through some webinars with her, says that we are incredibly good at, as churches at supporting, empowering, and encouraging motherhood and encouraging mothers to take that active role in their children's faith lives. It seems that we're falling behind in how we are supporting and empowering fathers to really become a part of the spiritual guidance as well as the emotional guidance for their children. Christian teens are more likely to say that their mother encourages me to go to church, more likely to say that their mother talks with me about God's forgiveness, and more likely to say that their mother teaches them about the Bible. Christian teens are also more likely to go to their mother than their father for encouragement, advice, or sympathy. Fathers do have the edge in only three categories, when the teen wants to talk about money, when they want to talk or they need logistical help, or when they want to talk to a parent about playing a sport. So based upon this, I say, dads, it's time to step up. Roxanne Stone also said over and over and over again throughout the study, researchers saw the outsized impact that mothers have both on the children's spiritual formation as well as the character development. She says, unfortunately, this same really did not hold true for fathers in this study. It became apparent as we explore the research that practicing Christians just don't seem to share a lot of quality time with their fathers compared to their immediate and even sometimes extended household ties. Dads, it's time to step up. I tweeted a quote this past week that, um, really had an impact on a lot of people by a guy named Peter Stropel. And I want to conclude this challenge to fathers to step up when it comes to faith in your children. It says, legacy is not leaving something for people. We think legacy is tied in again to financial, to money, to wills. Yeah. Legacy is leaving something in people. Mm. It's time to step up, dads. That's culture shock. And that wraps up episode 50. This is 50. The Kitchen Table. If you want to continue on the conversation, we have a Facebook page. You go onto the Shine.fm Facebook page, and then there should be a group inside of it called The Kitchen Table. We just continue discussions. You can give us questions, songs, culture shock that you think would be fun to have on here. Check out the other Shine.fm podcast. Heather does MomCast every other week or so, so check that one out. And then uh, we have a most recent story on Shine 180. These are basically your stories, stories of how God has transformed life and, and how Shine and music has been a part of that. So uh, check out the latest edition called Shine 180 Amy's Story, and you can find all those on the Shine.fm podcast channel. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. Podbean. YouTube. YouTube channel. The and Shine. on the Shine That FM website. There you go. That wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for being with us and have a wonderful week. Stay salty. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.